The church today has become fake and phony. I'll oftentimes feel more comfortable being myself around people who don't go to church than people who do go to church. Now, why is that? Well, it's because we're all, if we're being honest, imposters. We're Christians, and we're seeking to be something that we are, but we are not yet that. And it terrifies us to be found out. And somewhere along the line, we took the hint that we've got to pretend to be this version of us that we're trying to become and not let the real version of us be shown. So, you know, you're driving to get to church in the morning and your kids are driving you crazy and you're yelling, screaming, and then you open up the door and you plaster a beautiful smile on your face. And you know you do it. And it might be better than you to come in having a temper tantrum like a child. I might say to you, hey, you know, you're an adult now. It's time to grow up a little bit. Like, uh, but at the same time, there, well, there's a balance, but at the same time, we need to be real. And we're starting this series today called Playlist, The Road Home. And in it, we are going to be in the Psalms. Now, let me tell you what the Psalms do to you. The Psalms are taking that phony version of you and saying, get rid of it, take the real version of you, and let it show. Because the Psalms are giving you the words that express what's actually happening underneath it all for you. So the Psalms in general confront you, and they contain the raw and full range of human emotions that we experience as we walk through this life. So the Psalms give you permission to be honest with God and with each other. And it doesn't mean as we're reading these that God, God approves with all these expressions that the psalmist is making. The psalmist is being human. The songwriter is being human. He's showing us the experience that he's having and being raw and real. And God wants that because he can't do anything with you until you come to him as you are. And by the way, these songs or psalms are written by mature people of faith. It's not somebody who's just discovering Christianity or, or the Bible or God. It's someone who's been at this for a long time. And they're having these real doubts, these real frustrations, and they're letting it show. And then they say, let's all sing this together. So, the psalms give us words to express either what we're scared to say or what we don't know how to say. People will tell me often they don't know the word. They have a hard time even saying what they're feeling and thinking. Well, the Psalms give you the words that you need to say to God. They're helping you out. They're doing you a favor. And the collection of song, Psalms that we're looking at through the series are Psalms 120 to 134. And they're beautiful Psalms because here's what they're doing. They're saying, this is your road that you're traveling. This is the experience through this life. As you open up the door and you start this adventure to go home with God, here's what the experience feels like. Here's what it's like on the way. And teaching you how to say the things that either you're scared to say, you're scared to express, and giving you words to say to God. And you know, we're, we're getting creative here, so here's a little thing that expresses this reality because here's, the, here's what you are experiencing. If you're a Christian, 
You have become something new. But your old self keeps showing its ugly face. And you don't know what to do with it. Should you hide it? Well, here's the experience. It's a little poem. All is right while everything is wrong. I'm all at once what I should be, but nothing I ought to be. I've been made perfect, but I'm still imperfect. I am love and I am hate. I am peace and I am war. I am at home, but I'm wandering. I'm found, but often lost. I'm content, yet so discontent. I am rested, yet restless. I am angry, yet joyful. I am a danger to myself, yet I'm a healer. I'm a pilgrim on the road home. All right, so today we start the journey. We open up the door to begin our journey home. Day one, week one. And the question that comes at us today from Psalm 120 is, what is the cost of peace? So you open up this door, you're supposed to seek the peace. You're supposed to seek the flourishing. This word peace in the Bible has to do with flourishing, the welfare the, of, of people, the, the complete flourishing. In other words, it's, it's something spiritual that overflows into the emotional, the social, and the cultural, and even the physical. That's all starting with something spiritual. And the cost of this flourishing is very high. And what we see in the psalm that we're about to read is that there is a hero who is willing to pay the price for the peace of many, for the flourishing of many. And in this psalm, we find out the road that you, God has called you to take to be this person of peace. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to want to get on the road because it is costly. But it is a good road. It is a better road. It's not the easy one, but it's the right one to take. And that is the call of somebody who's jumped on the road and is heading home to God. So here's our psalm. Starting it all, it begins here. Psalm 120, a song of ascents. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and much more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows, with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. All right, first point, the pilgrimage. The title of every single one of these psalms that we're going to walk through says a song of ascents. Ascents is the technical term for a pilgrimage. Now, here's what the Israelites did. At least once a year, all throughout Israel, they would take this long pilgrimage, this road, all the way to Jerusalem, the city of God. And when they got there, they would go up on the top of Mount Zion, and there they would worship God. And so these songs of ascents are songs that they would sing along the way as they get to Jerusalem. And they are songs that are meant to be expressions of what it is like traveling the road. What does that have to do with you and with me? Well, Jerusalem represents the city of peace, the celestial city, the city of God, the city of heaven. So we are meant to sing these songs knowing that this is the Christian experience. As we open up the door and we start this adventure to God, 
our experience is laid out in these psalms. And we are meant to sing them, to express them, to pray them, and we sing them together. Raw songs that display our human experience as we are taking this difficult road home to God. And the first line of the first psalm sets the tone of the pilgrimage. In distress, I called out to you, God. So here's what it means. The mountain is in view. You see Jerusalem, but it's a far-off country. Heaven is a far-off land. And the road home is going to be a trial. And on the road, you're going to have times of faltering, of failing, of getting lost. But on the road, there's also going to be this constant rediscovery of learning, of growing, of finding God in new ways and doing it together with your people, with your friends. The road is through the fire, but you come out on the other side like gold. In the journey, I'm going to tell you this, it's not quick and it is not convenient. The road in Christianity is the long way home. And I'm going to tell you this, the church today is not interested in this long road. Too much in the American church, we are experiencing quick, fast, false growth. See, the church wants quick behavior modification. And so this is why, putting a bunch of pressure on you, come on, you got to grow fast. you got, you got to get it all together. And this pressure causes you to put this mask on to pretend like you are something that you aren't. But Christianity is interested in slow, inside-out growth. This is where I'm at, God, and that's where I'm going, but it's going to take a long time. you got to be able to tell yourself that. And I know you, and you don't want that. You want really quick growth. So you try to find shortcuts, and you get caught in thorns and thistles, and it's, you get lost, and you end up taking longer because you're trying to take the quick road. Christianity takes the long way home. And if you aren't a Christian, the invitation to you through this whole series is join us on this road. Because it's the right road, it's the good road. And this road is a discovery for all of us. We're constantly discovering on this road. On this road, we're going to wrestle with faith and doubt. We're going to wrestle with what it means to be brave yet vulnerable. We're going to wrestle with freedom, yet how to be free but also serve. We're going to wrestle with how to seek the flourishing of others by sacrifice, how to take risks under the protective eye of God, and how to cry tears, but have those tears water the earth and bring life to the world around you, and how to wait for God, calling out and not hearing from him, but experiencing what it means to be strengthened as you wait. And the first psalm starts us on the journey. And before you even take your first steps out the door towards this mountain, there's something you have to realize. Second point, you are in a foreign land. You will never want to leave if you feel like this is your home. The man in our psalm says he sojourns in Meshech and he makes his tents dwell in Kedar. Now, this is an impossible thing to do. These are two different places, and he can't be at two different places at one time. Here's what he's saying. In this world, I felt at home. I was with my people. But then, something changed in me. 
I started having these longings and these desires that nothing in this world would satisfy. And so I said, ah, something's wrong. I have to leave. I got to get out of here. There's something not right here. And so that is when the quest begins. That's when the adventure begins. That's when you start out on this journey of transformation. You have to realize this is no longer your permanent home. When he cries out to God, this is so fascinating. So he realizes it's not his home, and he's frustrated. And all these people around him are no longer his people, and he asks God to deliver him. And you know what God's answer is? Nope. You're staying right where I got you. Because this journey is a spiritual pilgrimage. Physically, you are still here, though you're made of something else. God is leaving you here because there's a spiritual pilgrimage for you to take. And he wants you to grab everyone around you and take them with you on this spiritual pilgrimage. And the man of Psalm 120 says, deliver me, God, and he never does. He keeps him there to do something. I really want you to identify with this man in this psalm. I've been reading him over and over and over again, and I'm like, I'm obsessed with this guy. Because he's, he's doing things that nobody does. He's seeking peace. No matter the cost. He's physically staying and he's going somewhere spiritually and he's wanting to bring everybody with him. This is the third point, the pattern. He stays and his experience is as he tries to bring peace, flourishing to the people in his life, to the world around him, they bring war. The pattern is this. The degree that you seek the spiritual flourishing of the people in your life and the world around you is the degree that they will bring war back down upon you. Now, that might sound a little extreme, but let's just play out the psalm. Why would somebody bring war down upon someone when they want their good? Well, you have to understand what good is. Good is the ways of the kingdom of God. Good is the ways of of heaven. And let me tell you something about the ways of the kingdom of God. They threaten the ways of the world. And when you threaten the ways of the world, war is brought down upon that person. What's being threatened? You, God's threatening you. You feel it. You know what he's threatening? All the things you want to do that he doesn't want you to do. And all the things he wants you to do that you are terrified of doing. He wants to change you. People don't like change. All of your wants, your desires, he wants to replace them. And that's terrifying. You know what Jesus does? He's meeting with this. He, he, he always goes right after the heart. He goes to the stuff that's deep down. So this guy comes up to him and says to Jesus, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he goes right for the center, for the wants, for the longings. Because this man, he loves money. And Jesus says, oh, take everything you have, sell it, give all your money to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, he might not do that with you. What he's going to go after is the thing that you love more than God. Let it go, he'll say. Take me. So what happens to this man who loves money? He can't do it. Now, to us, that sounds crazy. You just sacrificed eternal life for an earthly treasure that will one day fade. 
But you know what? It's not so crazy because there are things in your life you are holding on to that you will not let go of. And God's like, you're being crazy. What are you doing? I have better ways, but you can't let them go. All right. So let me just do this. Let me just like start saying the things that might bring war down upon me. Okay. Ready? Okay. God is on the side of life. So if someone gets pregnant and this child is going to ruin all of this person's wants, desires, hopes, goals, vision for their life, it's going to destroy it all. God says, have the baby. Because God, God, the first command God gives humanity, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have babies. God loves babies, have them. I'm doing the things. Or God is on the side of life, which means he's on the side of the poor and the oppressed. Which means we're a fight for the poor and the oppressed. We're on their side. And when we help them financially and they take advantage of us, they do something that makes us mad, they don't have our work ethic, we keep fighting for them because we're on the long road in all of the ways. See, now do you see what me seeking peace just did? At one point I sounded like I was politically saying something on the right, the other side I sounded like I was saying politically something on the left. And you know what I was doing? I was saying the things of the kingdom of God. And they're very, the kingdom of God is fighting for life. And that means sometimes Christians will be misunderstood. They'll be called something that they aren't. And some of you might be mad at me right now. I've said things and people have left because I've said things that have made them mad. Look, I'm not being your enemy if you're feeling that. I'm not. I'm just saying, look, if, the, if you open the Bible and you are surprised to find things that are confronting you, then, then you're thinking you know everything that God knows. But to open up the Bible, it's going to first challenge your mind. And you're going to say, really? I didn't think that. This is messing with me. I don't understand this. And then you're like, oh, finally you're like, okay, I agree with that. But then you got another problem. you got these emotions in you. And these emotions are at war with what God is telling you to do. So sometimes your heart takes a little bit longer to catch up to your mind. Now, this involves all areas of your life. Okay, so we're seeking the flourishing of everybody around us in all areas of our life and their life. And this, this includes parenting, this includes friendship, this includes your neighbors, this includes your workplace, this includes all the things. And you have to have wisdom and discernment if you're doing this. So let me tell you what Christ does. Christ radically accommodates, meaning he gets into your world. He comes into a specific culture, a specific place, eats what they eat, drinks what they drink, and he spends 30 or 33 years just listening to humanity before he starts his ministry. He's getting to know the heart of people. And if Jesus has to do that, don't you think you do? And so listen, accommodate, but then Jesus starts confronting the things that are deep down in people. He challenges them. And they bring war upon him, and he continues to sacrifice for their transformation. And so the pattern is this. You listen. You love with all of your might. You get into people's worlds. You understand them. And then confront. 
to bring flourishing. And then war might be brought upon you. And if it is, you keep seeking their flourishing. Don't stop. And every single one of you has a specific calling that God will place upon you to spring his kingdom. So, so you can't do everything. You can't help the disciple well and be a good friend and a good churchgoer and a good husband and a good wife and a good parent. The list just keeps going and it gets overwhelming. But here's the question. What are the ways of the kingdom of God and what part do you play in it all? Do not let the sun go down today without you thinking really hard about what God has called you to do to bring his kingdom. And when you get it, go after it with all of your might. Seek the flourishing of the people around you by bringing the kingdom of God. How do you do it? And when war comes upon you, well, you have to be like the hero in the story. This is our next point, the hero or this man of peace. I want to be this guy because he stands strong as flaming arrows, is what the verses are saying, are shot at him. And he will not stop seeking the peace of the people who are at war with him. Even if he's misunderstood, this is what love is, people. A few years back, I tried this experiment on social media. And what I started doing is making these videos that talked about Jesus and the Bible and creation and scripture, all the things that make people like not sure about Christianity. And I love skeptical people. And so there's a thing on Facebook where you can create ads that will show up on the newsfeed. And somehow Facebook knows who's angry at God. I don't know how, but they know. And so I, I'm like, I'm going to go for this. So I start putting these ads out, and they're showing up on people's nudes feeds. You know what happened? I got destroyed. I mean, I was getting slandered, mocked, and ridiculed, and they, I was their enemy in their minds, and I really authentically wanted their good. Now, eventually I stopped because it wasn't working. You know, probably something has to do with it feels a little bit of a violation for, like, these ads to just keep showing up on their news feeds. Like, maybe that is wrong. I don't know. But I think face-to-face worked better, but I stopped, and I was kind of relieved to stop because it was hard. I mean, it was hard to feel that misunderstood. But the hero in this story, do you know what he's doing? He's holding his heart out to people, knowing that he's going to be misunderstood by them. And they're putting arrows in his heart as he is seeking to bring the city of God into their life. That's the calling of the Christian. you got to have boundaries, yes. you got to use wisdom. But when Jesus begins approaching the world and confronting the world, you know what he does? He comes on the scene and he says, I know you. Humanity, I know who you are. I know what you are. And I don't trust you. Did you hear that? Jesus, the Savior of the world, looks out at us and he says, I don't trust you, but here's my heart anyways. That's what we are all called to do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that's the better road to take. And it requires a tremendous amount of bravery to do this. Some of you have been hurt by your friends, 
by your family, by your neighbors, by your co-workers, by the church, by whatever. The list will keep going. And you feel understood. And you are surprised that you have been hurt by them. I'm not surprised anymore. I'm trying to take up the ways of Jesus. I'm trying to say, I don't trust people, but I love them still. Here's my heart. I don't trust you. Here's my heart. I don't trust you. Here's my heart. I'm not looking at specific people of you. I'm just like scanning the room. And this is what we have to learn how to do. And that requires so much bravery. And if you don't do it, if you don't do this, if you don't hold out your heart, it's going to end up hurting you in the long run. C.S. Lewis says it perfectly. He says to love is risky. But if you don't love, you will be taking your heart and you will be putting it in a coffin and you'll be closing that coffin and there your heart becomes safe. But it also becomes impenetrable and irredeemable. So the calling is difficult and that's the pilgrim road. And if you don't go down the road, you, you become impenetrable and irredeemable. And that means you must hold your family, your, your heart out to your family to your extended family, to your friends, your neighbors, and your co-workers, knowing that they might hurt you. In fact, you maybe even expect it a little bit, but you do it anyways. And you know, even with your kids, like you're bringing the ways of the kingdom upon these little selfish things, and they want what they want, and you're trying to show them this is not the way of the kingdom. And so you keep at it, and you keep showing it to them, because when they get older... They're going to be better at understanding that they don't always get the things that they want when it comes to God. Because he has better ways and better roads. So we learn to get back on the roads he wants to put us on. And so that means you're generous to people in need. And that means like you're going to do generous things to people. And when you do, they're going to take advantage of you. It's going to happen. And you keep holding your heart out. But you've got to be honest with them too. And say, hey, man, that's messed up. I just helped you. Why are you taking advantage of me? This is not the ways of the kingdom. See, you're on the long road with people. You're fighting for them constantly, and you got to expect them to do things you don't want them to do to you. Because it's going to happen, because it happened to Jesus, and he was perfect. So what makes you an imperfect person think that people aren't going to do it to you? And your friendships require honesty and forgiveness and patience. At least if they're going to be real. You have to be real with them. This is what the Psalms are calling out us. So the, now the question becomes, all right, when you do all the things you're supposed to do and war comes down upon you, what do you do? Whether it's big or small, it feels like a war. What do you do about it? Well, our verses give us the answer. Two things. Prayer and understanding God's justice. It says, in distress, he called out to God. And God's answer, he asked God, God, deliver me. And do you know God's answer? is not to deliver him the way he thought. He wanted to be plucked up out of his situation. God delivered him by giving him the strength to handle the situation that he was in. To take the road that God kept putting him on. Not taking him off the road, but saying, no, this is the right road for you. You don't want it. You don't understand it. But I'm telling you, it's the good road for you, God says. And through it, you're going to come out like gold. So stick with me. Stay on the road. Christianity is not about making your life easier. 
but to give you the strength and joy and peace no matter the circumstance. To give you the bravery to do what God's called you to do. And when all comfort seems gone, he's your comfort. And he is the one who accepts you when it feels like you're being rejected by the world. And then there's this understanding of justice you have to have. It says, so this hero, it's hard to understand because it's poetic, but basically what's happening is this hero is being shot with these flaming arrows. And his understanding of justice is that God will return those flaming arrows against all the injustice that is done to him. Unless those people change and turn to God. So that means this. You see the person, you're seeking their flourishing. You don't want war with them. You want peace. You want them to go to God and be changed. But if it doesn't happen, God has flaming arrows. This is justice. God will not relent from justice. It either goes upon Christ on the cross or upon us. One or the other. Justice always comes. Always. And that is good news, but it's bad news. And it is bad news because we have come to realize, I hope, that we have pulled back the arrow and that flaming arrow we have shot at the heart of God and it was a direct hit. He took the arrow from us. The Christian knows that they were once at war with God and in some ways they keep falling back into it because come on, God's not giving you what you want. Not everything. He's not giving you everything you desire. He's not giving you what you think you need. And you're mad at him for it. And you're praying these prayers. God, save me from the situation. And he's saying, no. I want you there. It's good for you. Whether you know it or not. It's the better road for you. He's not changing you keep praying and he's not changing his ways. But if you stick on the road, there's something that you will discover. Jesus is the hero who came seeking the peace for humanity and we stuck a sword in his heart. And he brought truth to us and we were threatened by it. So humanity, threatened by his truth, because of it, he was misunderstood, misinterpreted, mocked, and maligned. They accused him of breaking the Sabbath, rejecting the scriptures, dishonoring the temple, and serving the devil. The very opposite things he came to do. But still, he kept holding out his heart. And as he did it, it was pierced by us. And he held his hands out to embrace us. And we took those hands and we nailed them to the cross. But still, he kept holding out his heart. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's still seeking your peace as you're crushing him. And then there, as he's buried in the coffin of the grave, you know what he does? He breaks up out of it. How terrifying would it be to see God himself risen after you have stuck a knife in him? And you know what he does? He keeps offering peace to you. Always. Hold your heart out to him and everyone around you as he has done for you. Take the risk. It's the better road. Keep following the road 
and become what you're meant to become. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would teach us to stay on the road that you have put us. No matter how much we don't want to be on that road, God. Help us learn to trust you. Help us learn that we don't let go and let God, but we trust you and get moving on the road you've put us on. Give us strength. Give us bravery. Give us wisdom. And give us hearts that are willing to risk for our friends, willing to risk for our neighbors, willing to risk even for our enemies or those who have made us to be their enemy. God, help us. Help us when we falter. Help us when we fail. Help us when we fall and pick us up, dust us off, and get us back on the road that we need to be on. Help us be patient with ourselves as we're on this road and to be patient with each other. Give us more of you, God, so you might take us down this right road. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name.